it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast, presented by our good friends at Exterior Home Solutions. Be sure and give them a call, 865-524-5888, for any of your needs in roofing, siding, fencing, decks. We've had all those storms come through the area you might want to make sure your roof's in good shape. You know, a lot of shingles blowing off and those kind of things. Exterior Home Solutions, they'll give you uh, an update on any kind of damage you might have and, and certainly give you a free estimate as well. So give them a call at 865-524-5888. Also, be sure and hit the like button on our YouTube channel. If you're not a subscriber to our YouTube channel, be sure and check it out and jump in there because we got plenty of stuff on YouTube as well as at VolQuest. Of course, we got this special deal going on right now in the month of June to sign up for VolQuest. You can sign up for a year for $49.99 or you can sign up for three months for a dollar a month. So check them out uh, with that special deal we've got going on here in the month of June at VolQuest.com. Brent Hubs along with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. Plenty of things to get to. I'm just going to be completely transparent here. But we had a great plan in place. Uh, we were on <laughs> podcast with Eric Kane with all the reaction from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Um, we got everybody in place to tape the thing about 11.30 and, and get rolling. And then uh, weather decided to play havoc. And uh, we figured it's going to be sometime in the wee hours of the morning before baseball is over. So Eric's got plenty of baseball coverage at VolQuest. We'll catch up with Eric with a little – um, maybe even a little mini podcast, who knows? But anyway, our plan was to talk a lot of baseball tonight, but uh, or today, but baseball is being played as we're recording this. So we'll see how it goes and talk about it at the General's Quarters. There are other things to talk about, though, in this podcast, Austin Price. And let's start with recruiting. Tennessee with a, I would call it an underclassman camp on uh, Sunday. Um, just guys who were Going to be sophomores, going to be freshmen, a lot of young kids on campus, but a lot of good-looking guys and a lot of early names, important names for Tennessee to have on campus, starting in the state of Tennessee with two underclassmen quarterbacks and a tight end, Austin. Yeah, 100% Carson Snead being the tight end, and Tennessee's in a really good spot there. Um, and then, you know, two quarterbacks, George McIntyre, 2025 from Brentwood Academy, Jared Curtis, a 2026 from Nashville Christian, um, Curtis finally got the Tennessee offer. Um, you know, he's picked up a ton of offers to, you know, Tennessee wanted to come to camp. He came to camp through it, looked really good and, uh, picked up an offer. And then, you know, George is, is someone who, you know, Tennessee's hot after in this 2025 class, along with Deuce Knight at the quarterback position. So, you know, uh, I thought some talented arms, wasn't a, a, an overabundance of, of, you know, dudes, as they say on campus, but the top-end guys are really, really good. Yeah, certainly at that quarterback position. Rob, that seems, I, I guess it's not a surprise that underclassmen quarterbacks are coming to check out what's going on at Tennessee and, and to throw and work out with Tennessee. I mean, everybody wants to know what's the effects of 
you know, last year and all those things. I, I think this is the Hendon Hooker effect. And not just because he put up big numbers at Tennessee, Rob. It's the fact that he didn't put up big numbers before he got to Tennessee that's probably getting everybody's attention a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you've you kind of got that one narrative out there that, you know, it's it's not a pro system. It doesn't get you ready for the NFL. But, man, it looks like it's, it would be an awful lot of fun to play in. And, uh, you know, if you put, if you put up the numbers Hendon did in, in this system or come close to it, you're going to be all over the NFL radar. I mean, I, I think that system talk – I mean, you know, Hendon is probably – you know, if Hendon does well, that that will go a long way towards muting that narrative. But but even if he doesn't, I mean, with the numbers that that this offense is going to put up, I just I just don't see how it's not attractive to quarterbacks. And I think we're seeing you know the Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman effect at, at wide receiver. When you're talking about the kind of guys, you know, I don't who who knows if they're going to get Ryan Wingo and Mike Matthews or whatever. But the, but what Hyatt and Tillman and those guys did certainly got the attention of that caliber of prospect. Yeah, got the, got the attention, uh, and 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 so that gets you in the door heavily, Rob. You're 100 percent right. Now it's on Kelsey Pope and Josh Eipel and Joey Hallsley to finish it off and land the Mike Matthews and Ryan Wingo's of the world. Problem is, is you're talking about a big boy battle and all those instances where you know you could land them all, you could not land any of them, and and you know it kind of is what it is when you're recruiting that level of kid. And how about? Well, I was, I was going to say on, on the quarterbacks before we move on. I mean, how you've been doing this for since General Nealon was here. I, was, I, I came around <laughs> in the in the former era as but, my I mean, white hair shows. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just the, the quarterback situation. When you talk about how many years did, did we go without an elite quarterback prospect in, in this state, and then boom, you know, you got in 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 a four or five year window, you've got Ty Simpson, you've got McIntyre, you, you've got the kid at Nashville Christian, and you know, I don't, I don't know what to attribute that to, but it is certainly a a, a noteworthy difference. Well, I mean, it, just to know, I mean, like if you go back to Ty's class, Rob, you know, you had Kenny Minchie last year. He's going to Notre Dame. You had Marcel Reed. He's going to 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 yep, Texas A and M. You had the kid out of Memphis who is going to Florida State. I mean, like, I mean, but I mean, there was a few guys over the years. Kurt Phillips went to a Wisconsin and whatever, but, but it was few and far between. Twenty years, you went. Two plus decades without a high level SEC quarterback prospect in, the, in this state. Now, See, I think that I honestly think that it's you know when that that ties group was kind of the, the first the first run on those guys because I mean you go back football's changed so much. I don't know if there ever was a blue chip blue chip guy. I mean yeah you could say Steve Spurrier, but I mean that was the sixties and and yeah and, I mean Engel Martin was kind of a you know I mean you know he an afterthought I think for Tennessee, but I mean he ended up at Florida it was sure. okay. I mean, Chad Pennington, nobody knew who he was coming out of high school. <laughs> so so that, that's a great question. What, what do you attribute it to, Austin? I mean, you, you know high school football in the state. You've covered it immensely in East Tennessee, but not just East Tennessee. I mean, you, you've covered it in recruiting, but you've also followed it through the state high school playoffs. Is, is this is this the proverbial the population base has grown? Is this the evolution of seven-on-sevens? Is this guy specializing now? I mean, we, I mean – George McIntyre plays multiple sports. What what do you attribute the sudden whatever's in the water to create some some high profile quarterbacks in the state of Tennessee? I think it's everything. I think everything you just named. I think that it's a population boom. I think it's uh, the more more you've seen the offenses change. Now, granted, in six A last year we had you know Oakland playing Beach and both teams run the wing tee. But I mean, for the most part, nobody does that anymore, right? So like. 
you, you've got the evolution of seven on seven quarterback training. You've got quarterback country over in Nashville working with guys. Um, I, I just think it's kind of a little bit of everything that you just named is why you've seen finally the state of Tennessee start to produce, you know, a quarterback or two. That's pretty fascinating, you know, because everything kind of runs in cycles, it feels like. But this is a cycle we haven't seen. As Rob, you mentioned, it, it, it's very different. I mean, there are years where they're linemen. There are years where they're more skilled guys. There haven't, there just haven't been years like this at the quarterback position. And I think part of it is what you're saying, Austin. It's the evolution of offenses in the state of Tennessee. It's teams that are throwing it now, spreading you out, doing things that, that they used to not do. Um but, but it is pretty fascinating to watch. And I think we're seeing Tennessee in a pretty interesting spot in quarterbacks um, for the 24, 25, and 26 class. I mean, they, they've already isolated and targeted guys that they like in all three of those classes. Um, they've got Nico here, who's a high-profile guy. And um, it, it's, you know, how, how all that shakes out. I mean, you're not going to get a great one probably in 26 if you land a great one in 25, right? I mean, so – um, it, it is going to be interesting to see sort of some decisions that are made, what kids are really interested, who is who is bothered by a depth chart, who's not bothered as much by a depth chart, all those things over the course of the next, gosh, I guess 12 to 20 months or something like that. Right, Austin? The more you win, the greater chance that you can go back-to-back classes. I mean, look at Georgia. There's no rhyme or reason that all those guys, and all of them were five-star players coming out of high school, are still sitting there, wasting their eligibility. There's no rhyme or reason for it, but yet they are. Some of them, though, like a, a Gunnar Stockton, grew up, what did he grow up? A tennis or a Georgia fan. So thus, it just changes things, you know, when you can get some in-state kids that grew up wanting to wear red and black, or in Tennessee's case, wanting to wear orange and white. And so the more you win, the better chance you have to – kind of see that kind of come to fruition to where you can maybe, you know, stockpile high-end guys in back-to-back classes. Right now, you're at a spot where probably not. I mean, that's why, you know, Jaden Davis, you know, I mean, I think he would have taken a much harder look at Tennessee than he did had Nico not already been in the class before him. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, One one quick note on uh, Carson Sneed, who, by the way, whose brother is uh, a walk-on receiver at Tennessee – uh, talking about being in a good spot, I can't remember this conversation. I asked a kid in state, Rob, you know, what do you know about Tennessee? Did you grow up liking Tennessee? He goes, Oh yeah, I grew up loving Tennessee. He said, I was, I was, I was, I was a fan of Tennessee through through thick and thin, even even through the end of the Butch Jones and Jeremy Pruitt eras at Tennessee. I was still a Tennessee fan. <laughs> did did so, Rob give that quote? Is this Rob's kid? That's what I want to know. I mean, that's stuff Rob says on the podcast. <laughs> That's funny. And especially for a mid-state kid. I mean, you, you can, you can yeah. see that, you know, for a kid, you know, grew up, died in the wool, you know, East Tennessee. But, you know, growing up in the melting pot that, that the mid-state's become for, for a kid to, to have lived through what he's lived through, you know, in terms of Tennessee football, that, that says a lot. Hey, don't, it's okay, guys. I, Louisville, Louisville's got the prediction machine, though. Louisville's got the prediction machine. <laughs> I, 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 t- I, I tell you what, Austin, in watching him at camp, and looking at him, I, I do think. I mean, he's a twenty-six. He's got plenty of time, but but he's already two hundred and twenty pounds. I mean, this is a guy with his with with the potential with his frame. I, I think his stock is really going to have a chance to continue to rise. I, I liked everything that you watched. Now it's a small sample size 
on a Sunday evening running some routes or, yep. or whatever the case may be. But but he's you can see why schools like that like him because of the frame he has to work with. I thought he's a pretty good looking athlete for a guy that big. Absolutely, and uh, went up and high pointed the ball a couple of times. Uh, used his body. Um, so I'm I'm with you. A really is, is, good prospect. Uh, but is he have afraid to be as big as Nathan Robinson from this last class? I mean, I know he's super young. Could he? No, I don't know if he, he, I don't know if he's going to go to. I don't know if he's going to go to two seventy. If he does, he's not going to play tight end. Yeah, um, no, but I mean, Nathan Robinson didn't. I don't think looked like he was going to two seventy two years ago either. Nathan Robinson. I mean, he's he's, he's a like, grown man. Yeah, <laughs> he's a grown man. I, t- I tell you what, when when when. When Austin and I went to Green, it's Greenbrier, right, AP? Yes. Greenbrier High School, um, where, where, where Nathan is from. I'd never been to that school before because I'd never had a prospect of anything before. And it's one of those deals, right, AP? You went in there thinking, okay, we'll see what this guy looks like. And, you know, he's probably going to be three inches or four inches shorter than he's supposed to be and, and all this other stuff. And you walked in and you met him for the first time and you went, Oh wow, yeah, this this is different, right, Austin? I mean, he, I mean, it was just he almost no offense to Greenbrier, he felt a little out of place at Greenbrier, did he not? Oh, hundred percent. My my favorite phone calls are the ones you get from campus, going, "How tall are you? <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, I'm trying to judge how tall this kid is based on how tall you are, based on the interview that I just watched that that you put out there." Um, Speaking of which, I, that that'll I'm going to circle back to some recruiting, but I do let's transition a little bit into a couple of current guys that we've had a chance to bump into. Nathan Robinson, the guy obviously we talked about, um, Trevor Duncan, uh, 270 pounds, uh, trying to put on weight, going to put on weight once his body gets adjusted. I thought it was interesting, Austin. He told he told me over the weekend or on Sunday when I bumped into him there on campus, he said, I've never conditioned like this, and I was like, dude. You, You've been on you've been on campus like ten days, and, but he said his body was like trying to shed weight, so he he was taking in a million calories trying. I said your body will adjust and settle in, but again, you see those frames, Austin. Those are the kind of frames that you got to have in this league, and and I think that's the one takeaway from this class I, that that that's just arrived. I don't know how good they'll end up being or not being. But, boy, they got a lot of guys who at a young age seem to look the part, whether it's Arian Carter, whether it's Aiden Bustle, whether it's Nathan Robinson, whoever, Trevor Duncan. They got a lot of guys who look the part in this class. 100%. That's that's the the – if Josh Heupel is going to string this thing together, like I, you know, I know a lot of all fans hope he does, I think it's because he – had these two classes, the 22s and the 23s. And the 22s were a class that, you know, most of the in-state guys went elsewhere. Um, You know, but, I mean, Elijah Herring, Tyree West, James Pierce, Josh Josephs, um, all of those top players have a real chance to, you know, to me grow this year. Then you put in the 23s and – I mean, Nathan Robinson and Trevor Duncan, two kind of in-the-weeds type prospects that everybody's going to go, man, that guy, he was under the radar, and he just turned into an absolute specimen because they are specimens. And so, um, I mean, you just look at that group with Caleb Herring, Arion Carter, so on and so forth, and they're just a different-looking group. And, again, I'll go ahead and and he doesn't get a ton of love like previous strength coaches because – Nobody really writes about him like previous strength coaches. 
Kurt Schmidt has done a phenomenal job with not only those two classes, but the entire team. I mean, they look the part, every bit of it. Yeah, it's it's a different. I mean, it's and, and again, Rob, I think part of that is Kurt Schmidt's good at his job, but it's also some continuity, right? I mean, his whole staff is back. Like, hey, we're not we're not going through an entire different workout plan like we did for four consecutive years or whatever. I mean, it just it is three weeks out there in the end zone with Rock. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's right. I mean, so 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 underrated, but I mean, one hundred percent true. I mean, just I mean. I guess strength and conditioning coaches are kind of like like umpires. I mean, you don't when when you don't hear about them, that you know that means they're doing doing a good job. Yeah, I mean, and and obviously this this team is is taking on that personality, and, and he's gotten a lot of work done with those guys. All right, so let, let me circle back to recruiting now, AP. I know I'm all over the map. Eric you really are. <laughs> he would be disappointed in my hosting skills tonight or, or today because I am all over the map with this thing. Uh, but I, I want to circle back to this current class that Tennessee is working on now, which would be the class of 24. Uh, this is a critical month. This is a big weekend for Tennessee. They got a lot of guys coming in. They got a lot of guys coming in the last weekend of the month. Tennessee's kind of pushed all their chips to the table to try to get to the end of the month to bring guys in. Has that worked? To, you think that's to their benefit? Is it too early to tell? Have they survived enough of these deals? What do you think about kind of the scheduling, and what do you think about where some guys are with Tennessee right now? Well, I went with the NASCAR analogy today during a little five-minute chat on the board. Tennessee is that that car that's really good on the restrictor plate that, you know, has laid back and – you know, is ready to go here with 10 laps to go. They're ready to make their move. But how many quality cars are in front of them? That's that. That's what, what's the, what's the, you know, what's the, what's the track look like? How clean's the track in front of you? Like, I, I think that for the most part, they've survived a lot of stuff. But like, you know, you look at Amari Jefferson, I think Alabama has built themselves a lead there coming off his visit there this past weekend. So Tennessee's going to have to make up some ground there. I think Tennessee still remains fine with Mike Matthews through his two visits to Clemson and Georgia. I think Tennessee's still in a good spot there on the whole, right? I mean, you're, again, you're competing against the best of the best. You could land him, you could not land him. Ryan Wingo, that one's going the distance. The tight ends you're after are going the distance. You know, we'll be interested to see what these offensive linemen do that are here the next couple of weeks. You got Daniel Calhoun coming in this weekend. You got the Marcus Easley kid coming in this weekend. Then you got four offensive linemen coming in next weekend. And then it's the defensive linemen, Waneri and Cam Franklin. Big, big weekend on all accounts. And then you got Boo Carter committing coming up on Saturday. So, you know, I've said let it play out, let it play out. What does it look like the next four to six weeks? How many guys land at Tennessee? How many guys go elsewhere? Waneri, you know, I mean, Oklahoma, Tennessee, um, you know, that's the top two teams. Again, disregard the RPM machine. Like, you know, that that thing is really, really close. He's coming off the Oklahoma visit. You know, it's hard not to have a good time on one of these visits. Um, so kind of once he kind of gets home, how's he filled in? When he gets home from Tennessee this weekend, how does he fill in? Um, you know, again, let the let the next four to six weeks play out because I think that's where you'll, you know, the story is going to be written about this class. They could be sitting there and everybody's like, man, that was awesome. That was an awesome four to six week run. You can also swing and miss a bunch and go, what is wrong? What is happening? We just went 11 and two. 
blah, blah, blah. To this point, the only person you've lost that was a blow is Cam Fountain. That's it. And that's because Cam Fountain had, had indicated he was, he was coming. And then he went out to USC and got starstruck on that visit and fell in love with everything about Southern Cal and decided he wanted to go there. And so Tennessee will play the long game there, and they'll see if they, see if they can get him up here for an official visit in season, not at the end of the month because I think that would be wasted. All right, so let me ask you both this, and, and Rob, I'll start with you. Do, for for years in the old school recruiting way, it was about you know Florida State made a living on that last weekend visit, mm-hmm. right? Because you're up against the clock, and they've got to make a decision. Guys who are kind of making emotional decisions. You want the last visit. Getting the last visit's a big deal. With guys taking official visits in June and signing day not till December. Is it as important to be the last one or to be the first one, or does it not matter because you're taking visits and you've got six months before they sign? Yeah, Rob, I'll I start with you. You're just your opinion. I, I don't think it matters as much as it used to to get the last one, and it. I would I would hedge that by saying I think distance is a factor. I mean, I think if you're Tennessee and you're recruiting a kid from, you know, New Jersey, then then maybe. You get the last one. But as far as like if you're recruiting kids in the traditional SEC footprint, unofficial visits are so much more common than they used to be. I mean, that I'm not saying they you wouldn't have kids on campus for unofficial visits, but you wouldn't have two dozen like you do every big conference game now. So because of that, I don't I don't think it's as important that you you save it to late in the batting order. But I, I think if you're a coach, I think it's a you know, it's a juggling act. You know, do, when, do you want to shoot your shot too soon? I mean, I think it probably depends on what where you feel your relationships at as you're moving into that summer, you know, before their senior year. Have they, you know, have you had them on campus three or four times already? So I, I think it's a sliding scale with individuals, but I think kids travel so much now, however, that I don't think being last or being next to last is as important as it was 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. Um, I don't think there's a right or wrong. Um, okay. it's all on how you want to do it. I mean, Clemson loads up that first weekend. If they get their fair share, they're fine. If kids say, no, we're going to take our visits and Clemson gets pouty and, you know, doesn't like that. And, you know, you know, like, kind of like they did with Tony Rojas last year when they were the prohibitive favorite to land Tony Rojas. And then, you know, because he wanted to take more visits, got their panties in the water. If, if that happens, then you're in trouble. And kind of like that way with Tennessee from a standpoint of, you know, you have all these visits coming in here at the end of the month. There is no right or wrong, in my opinion. I think, you know, you, you run the risk, you know, of somebody building a big lead on you. And then you're not able to overcome it by, by going big at the end of the month. But again, that goes back to what Rob just said. What are your relationships like? If it's all built on, you know, the wrong things, it's not going to work at all anyway. Is the value of the official visit lower than it's ever been in recruiting? Yeah, I mean, look at camps. I mean, just I mean, I mean, camps. You know, five years ago were such a big deal, right? And now I feel like unless you're not, not existing. I mean, who who's the kid from last year? The the safety from Georgia was it Jack Luttrell? That was how many times was he here? Yes. You know, as, as a as a prospect, you know, before you know, double digits. And that just didn't yeah, just happen. So just, yeah. So so the so the official visits now, 
not as valuable. It's a more, it's more about how many times you get them on campus than it is the official visit or the timing of the official. I mean, Hubbard, can right? you think about like early mid two thousands? I mean, how many? I mean, how many sophomores in high school were coming on unofficial visits? I mean, I'm sure it happened. You know, with maybe some in state or some local kids, but just super rare. And and now it's it's incredibly commonplace. They got eighth graders. <laughs> yeah, in some yeah. cases. Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's just different. It, it's a, it's crazy kind of what it's turned into and, and how it's evolved. So we'll see. This is obviously a, a key stretch heading into the end of the month dead period that Tennessee's got. They've got two big official visit weekends. They have another night at Neyland camp coming up. They've got another midweek camp, and they will have a prospect from some class basically on campus every day from now until the dead period starts. Um, and, and that's what, what June recruiting is, is about. So we'll see what that looks like. We'll continue to cover all of that for you at VolQuest. And, and the guy in the upper right corner there, Austin Price, will, will lead the way with all that. The rest of us will just sit back and do what he tells us to do. And I'm not, I'm not, blowing, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. That's le- legitimately the truth. I mean, I get the call on Sunday, be here at this time. Here's who you need to talk to. Here's what we got going on. And I say, yes, sir. And that's what at we least I, I didn't even get called out of the bullpen. On Sunday, no, there was no need. Pal. I called it. I, I, I like called and Enjoy signed hanging up. Out with Deb. I called on. I called him on Saturday and like signed up. Like put my name on the list, and I'm you know I'm just warming up all day. Rob, Rob I threw I threw three pitches. I, I felt like Kirby Canell. I went out there and, and tried to get one guy out. Then they sent me back to the showers. Is what him and Matt did. That's how the recruiting coverage. But it's top notch. It's second to none. No nobody nobody. Uh, covering Tennessee covers recruiting like that, like like we do, but it's led by by Austin and Matt. So we'll continue to cover everything going on for the rest of the month here in recruiting at VolQuest.com. On the other side, I'm not going to let you talk, Austin. On the on the other side, we're going to talk about scheduling coming down the pike. We're going to talk about uh, this NIL, a little bit about this NIL deal, the IRS, what that might mean or not mean, and is that a big deal, all those types of things. Lots of stuff coming up here on the other side as you listen to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by our good friends at Exterior Home Solutions. You know, life happens, and damage to your home can be extremely stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family, but community. And they're who I call when life happens, and you should too. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, guys. We're 24 hours away from the SEC announcing opponents in their first made-for-TV event for schedule. It's like a rose ceremony, right? It's like watching The Bachelor. Who gets a rose? Who doesn't get a rose in this deal? Austin Price, who is Tennessee getting a rose from? In, in their SEC scheduling here. G- g- give me your – I don't want you to, to predict all eight, but give me what you got. What do you think? I think Tennessee keeps Oklahoma on that on, on the schedule, which was a, a game that was originally set for anyway, um, out of conference. Now it's going to be an in-conference game. Uh, again, this is just me purely guessing, right? I know nothing. I know nothing. Now, common sense to me says Tennessee 
gets Alabama because they want to keep that rivalry. They get Vanderbilt. They're going to keep that rivalry. And I think they likely get Florida. They do not get Georgia. That's my opinion. Uh, I'm not, I, don't, I mean, I couldn't name them all because I wouldn't. That would be just a blind shot in the dark. But I think they probably keep Oklahoma. And then out of traditional teams, I think it's Florida, Alabama, and Vandy. I think Alabama and Vandy. And after that, I just – I don't know. I mean, I, I feel pretty strongly about Alabama and Vandy. I think Georgia's gone. I agree with AP on that one. You know, I think South Carolina makes a little sense. You know, I think keeping Kentucky makes some sense. But I think also if you're the, if you're the rest of the SEC and you're like, whoa, Tennessee's getting Kentucky and Vanderbilt, you know, I, I can I can totally see why other people would have a problem with that. So I, I think Alabama and Vandy are, are pretty strong bets. And after that, I'm I'm pretty fascinated to see what happens. Well, we, we know Greg Sankey's not going to make everybody happy in whatever whatever <laughs> composite scheduling they put out there, right? Somebody Somebody's going to be mad somewhere along the way. That's a given. Here's the thing. I, I mentioned this in the war room, and, and I think this is the case. How, how mindful do they have to be, should they be, about not loading up with old traditional divisional teams since you're doing away with divisions? Don't you want to be careful that you're not playing five Eastern Division teams if you're an Eastern Division school, if you're the SEC and you're trying to break away from the divisions? Don't you have to don't you have to mix it up better than that? Which is why I wonder just how many Eastern Division teams Tennessee would see um in in, in this matchup. Which is why I think Georgia there's no way they're playing Georgia and Florida. I think right? it'll be four. I think it'll be four and four. You think, you think it'll be four, four and four? And four. For, for traditional Eastern, for non-Eastern. I think this first time around they might go a little crazy, Hubbard, because it's kind of a one-off. You know, I mean, I mean, just – I think you – and, again, this is just a guess on my part. I mean, it's it's a one-off season. I mean, they're going to vote. I mean, maybe they keep it eight games. But, I mean, I, I think the, the the first year in, I mean, I think you're going to want to see some splashy matchups. I mean, you know, Alabama well, – you know, some stuff you don't normally see. Well, Alabama's just played Texas, so the Alabama fan base has just been there. So I think Alabama could get Oklahoma more sure. than they could get Texas. I think, I think Tennessee, Texas, home run. Yeah, because here's the thing. When you're, when you're talking about the home games for those new SEC teams, Oklahoma and Texas, does the SEC Austin give those schools kind of the best traveling fan bases? Ticket sales – intrigue and all those things as opposed to saying hey no offense mississippi state no offense vanderbilt we're going to send you to austin where 500 people are coming from from vanderbilt <laughs> as opposed i mean how many tennessee fans are going to go to austin texas for I'm the fine. first time you're going to chew up right. chew up that allotment yeah and, i mean do you think the league thinks about that i mean and how I many texas think, people i would have thought the baseball committee would have thought about weather for, for a regional, and they didn't. So, but I mean, what, what do I know, Rob? I mean, same thing for Texas fans. I mean, you know, those people are, you know, they're, they're travel anywhere too. I mean, they, I'm sure they would love to see Neyland, you know, come to a game on, you know, in Knoxville. Same thing for, you know, Oklahoma fans going to LSU and just, you know, I mean, I, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of, you know, kind of new stuff breaking the mold. And I, I'd be surprised if they don't take advantage of at least some of those opportunities in 24. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. We'll find out on Wednesday on uh, what that looks like, who gets a rose, who doesn't get a rose uh, in, in the ceremony that uh, is the made-for-tea. Only the SEC can't come to a decision long-term on scheduling and turns it into a made-for-TV event. 
because it just it just means more, right, AP? Um, that, that's the way it goes. So let's talk just briefly here before we get out the door a little bit about the, the NIL stuff in terms of visiting to Washington and kind of where it goes from there. Austin, my intel suggests that it did not particularly go particularly well in the subcommittee for 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 Mr. Baker, the head of the NCAA. That that that, that I think he got caught in the you know he didn't get mad per se, but I don't think it. I think a lot of they asked a, a lot of people ask a lot of questions that maybe he wasn't completely prepared for. I don't know if that's right or not, but it feels like it was a bigger win on the NIL side than it was on the establishment side in terms of the discussions in Washington, D.C. Like, yeah. That's the that's the feedback I get. Look, you got Lindsey Graham, you got Joe Manchin, you got some of those people that are connected to, you know, football coaches or NCAA administrators. And those people are going to push that narrative. But on the whole, this thing's going to turn political. So whatever side of the aisle you're on, like it's hard to believe that it's hard to see, you know, them coming to some kind of resolution that says kids have a cap on what they can get paid because, you know, some kid's going to sue and nobody wants to go to court over this stuff. So like it, it, the wild, wild West remains. It's a, it's a, it's a model that's not going to last. It's just not like, you know, no, no school. I don't care if it's Texas, Texas A&M. Eventually donors are going to get tired of poning up a bunch of money to these collectives all across the board. So like, I think all the collectives need some type of legislation that, that keeps them in business, so to speak, but at the same time helps them not having to go beg, 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 beg. I feel like they're that gerbil on the wheel every single day. Yeah, I mean, like, I just think ultimately that's, that's kind of where this thing's headed. Like, you, you, again, I think all these schools no matter what side of you stand on on this should want some type of reform, even if it's just to kind of get some, some kind of borders, some buffers, you know, guardrails, guardrails as as all the coaches like to say, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, you don't want to hit the wall, keep the NASCAR analogy. You don't want to hit the wall going 200. You, you need, you need, you need those, those big barrels full of water to slow you down. So, I mean, like I, I just think that across the board, the model's not sustainable. But for the current moment, this is where we are in terms of kind of what it is. So everybody's kind of you know playing by the same rules. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, part of this is go ahead. I was going to say I don't understand this well enough, and maybe I mean I I would imagine you do. I tried to read around on it today. You see these things where the states, individual states, are going in through their yep. own, you know house governments and, and, and making amendments. Is there a way to, to circumvent what the IRS is saying at the state level? That's what I, I can't find an answer to that. Or is that something that would have to be argued in court? Cause it seems like uh, Texas, I, Texas in particular, I think seems like they've taken, they're trying to take steps to the state of Texas, not just university seems from what I've been able to, to read yeah. are trying to take steps to get to circumvent you know, that tax exempt status. Well, and they're trying to find ways to get the NCAA just a little less power. And so, you know, the, the IRS thing is an interesting dynamic because you've got a bunch of these schools that have had 501c3 set up that have been approved. What are you doing approving these things if all of a sudden it's going to be illegal? Like, you know, I mean, I, I don't understand the whole logic of approving something and then going back and 
you know, all of a sudden, oh, it's illegal. And that's my question, AP, and I don't know if you know, is there something that individuals, can the state governments pass a law to, to you know, get around what the IRS is saying about the exemption? That's what I can't find. That, yeah, that seems I, like I mean, something you're going to have to go to court over if you really care about it. I oh, I, trust me. I think that this thing's had, whether it's, I don't know what school it'll be. It could be Miami, could be Tennessee, could be Alabama, could be Georgia, could be Ole Miss, could be any of them. Texas, thing, Texas in there. This thing's headed to court in some form or fashion because the NCAA is going to try to invoke something and it, it somebody's going to go, yeah, nah, let's just go to court. And then it's going to be a battle. And so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out. Yeah. And, and if I'm a collective, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really frustrated, upset, disappointed with the IRS over the 501C thing, just from the standpoint of, Austin, there were a bunch of collectives around the country who waited to, to go into the 501c status, right? I mean, they, they didn't jump into that immediately. They waited to see kind of where the IRS was, if they were going to approve these things out there before they ever jumped into that. I mean, it's not like people were putting putting together a 501c two weeks after NIL was put into play. Um, because they wanted to make sure it was going to be approved and it was okay. And as you mentioned, it was, and now it's not. And so um, th that's the hard part of this. That that's going to be interesting to see if they can put guardrails in place. How do they do that? And how much money is it going to cost in litigation for all parties involved to find any kind of guardrail? Um, it is going to be really fascinating to watch and fascinating to see. All right. So let's put it this way: if they deem them to be illegal. Then, like, look, you know, in this instance, Fall Legacy, which will be Tennessee's 501c3, they would have to, you know, Spire would have to in turn reach out to everyone that gave money to the Vol Legacy and say, listen, I can give you your money back. Or if you tell me I can reallocate it to Vol Club, you just won't get tax free uh, status on it. And, you know, that's kind of where this thing will go. And so um, it's hilarious because my wife's watching the game in here and she's yelling <laughs> that's why i was laughing earlier one because you were trying to compliment me it's because hearing her lose her mind in here two two rooms over um as we take this during the game anyway so um so that's where this thing's going to get interesting is you know if if they deem them illegal they're going to have to go to the to the people that gave money whether it was fifty dollars tax-free five million dollars uh tax-free whatever it was and say hey we can't do this. I can either give you your money back or I can, you know, reallocate this if you deem it possible to Vault Club. Or and I'll give you I could give you half your money back and you could do the other half since you don't want to do let's say you don't want to do your fifty dollars, you only want to give thirty dollars, you know, because you're no longer getting it taxed taxed, uh, or you're now getting it taxed. Um, you know, so there's some different you know, scenarios there. And all these collectives that have the 501c3 will have to do something similar if they're deemed illegal, because right now I think a bunch of them have money sitting in there uh, in a 501c3 that will not be able to be spent if it's deemed illegal. Yep. And who knows when that comes out and who knows who's going to fight it, how quick they're going to fight it. And <laughs> it's going to be a really, I mean, it's, it's literally something new every day. Yep. Um, and that's the crazy thing about NIL right now is there's something new every day. And by the way, Pete and Jeremy Crabtree, and those guys that on through do a terrific job, they great coverage from Washington about things, staying on top of this stuff too. So 
be sure be sure and check that out uh, at the at the on three homepage or on our page as well the nil link because it's got some quality stuff in it man well well pete I, I don't throw goat status out a lot right like i just feel like that's kind of an overblown thing everybody's the goat right except for michael jordan uh Pete Nakos is the NIL goat when it comes to reporting. That guy, I mean, he is a dogged, dogged reporter when it comes to that stuff. He has developed, in the short order, developed really good relationships and got to spend a little time with him over in Nashville at the On3 thing. Just a super nice guy, too. Um, uh, you know, and he didn't pay me to say this. I'm saying it. I don't know. I've met people once in life, uh, but I've watched him enough to uh, know he, he's really good at what he does. Yeah, he does. He does a terrific job. So be sure to check him out. Obviously, give this uh, podcast a like uh, as well. Be sure and jump on to the General's Quarters, and we'll talk about that. We are going to talk about plenty of Tennessee baseball. Um, we'll have more from Eric Kane. Eric Kane's going to have more from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and we've got full coverage of that in addition to this, in addition to recruiting. Lots of things going on at VolQuest.com right now. That's going to do it for this edition of the Exteriors Home Solutions VolQuest podcast on a Tuesday. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.